0: You can either adopt this mindset of "Oh my gosh, you know the sky is falling. We're going to go into a recession. You know, I'm going to let all my people go," or you can get out there even more. You know, there's good times and bad times. It all depends on what you're going to do with it and how you're going
1: to manage it. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host Mark Whitby. My guest today is my friend Joel Slenning. Joel has already appeared on the podcast. Last time was about 18 months ago. And so his second appearance is long overdue. The last time was episode 53, how to scale your staffing and recruiting firm to $16 million. I would highly recommend you go back and listen to that interview. It was one of our most popular episodes. So Joel is the president of Innova People, a healthcare and IT staffing agency based in Oregon. And prior to that, Joel was the founder and CEO of Icon Medical Network, a locum tenants provider, which he scaled to $16 million before selling it, that business in 2019. Joel and I actually run a coaching program together called Apex, which is essentially it's a mastermind group for owners of seven-figure recruiting firms who want to scale to eight figures and build a business that runs without them that they could potentially sell one day if they wanted to. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. Joel, welcome. Thanks for being here.
0: Thanks, Mark yeah it's it's good to see it. It is kind of interesting that it's been it was eighteen months ago that we sort of met and kicked this off
1: I know it's crazy that has just gone so fast yeah. um, so look last time we spent most of the call talking about icon Medical, which is the company that you you grew and and then mm-hmm. sold and uh, but you're doing really exciting things at innova people so this time it I'd like to spend more time on your current company um when when did you launch that business Joel so I really
0: got started you know the sale was completed of icon in twenty nineteen early first quarter i think I think it finally finished or maybe it was mid second quarter um really got to work on Innova people in the fourth quarter of twenty nineteen and um you know, just decided that i I really wanted to to do this again and but but do it differently and um you know you obviously i, I as you know I, I learned a tremendous amount um during the icon days and um you know probably made every mistake in the book uh, uh and so i want to do it again and maybe make less mistakes this time around <laughs>
1: Makes sense that sounds good yeah so it's been so you're coming up for your third anniversary then mm-hmm. that's right Um, awesome. And, um, so what, what do you feel like you've achieved so far with, uh, with Anova people?
0: I think probably the, the, the biggest thing was, you know, icon was a very specific model, um, of delivery and it was much more of a 360 desk style model. Um, where, uh, but, but yet because the marketplace in Locum Tannen was very, um, there was a lot of people involved in a placement of a physician. Our competition was, had multiple people involved and multiple people touching the client, where at Icon, we wanted to have a single point of contact. So the client got to know one person. So we had to, I built a delivery model around that idea that there was sort of a super producer that that was managing everything, but behind the scenes, it was gonna take a team uh collaborating in order to be able to deliver the the placement and then manage the physician during their, their tenure but it really it really was kind of based on a 360 model so with the nova people i didn't want to do the 360 desk model and i don't think that that is a uh very i know people can be very successful at it but i don't think it's a very scalable model so um
1: can i just pa- pause there why, why do you say that joel
0: um i i think that it it, the the biggest thing that I think is where it breaks down is it does take a highly highly talented person to have the ability to be a good recruiter and a good business development person and a good account manager all in one. They're out there mm-hmm. for sure. Um, that's how I started and and built you know became a million dollar producer in this business. But I'm not saying that to compliment myself. I, I I just think that I it was it, it was as i watched other people struggle with all three responsibilities it became very apparent to me that i was good at one of them and would struggle at the other two so i was very good at business development and and and, and probably next in line account management and where my the, my weakness was was recruiting and so i i thought that you know why not try to build out a model that played to my strengths instead of trying to sort of struggle through the, the, um, my weaknesses and give my weaknesses to other, to other people to, to do well at.
1: It's really interesting. I, um, I was a 360 degree recruiter as well. And I, at that stage, I'd never even heard of any, I didn't know there was any other way to do this. Right. (laughs) And, uh, and I, was not definitely not good at everything. It's funny because I also was good at business development mm-hmm. and not as good at recruiting, and I wasn't even good at account managing. Really, I was, <laughs> only, I was only good at business development. Mm-hmm. But I had to do everything, mm-hmm. and I did okay. But um, I'm sure I didn't hit my full potential. If there had been, you know, uh, more of a collaborative effort, I think I could have done even better. Mm-hmm. Um, so how? How have you taken that approach differently in Anova People? Then,
0: yeah. So I, you know, sat down during the kind of downtime uh, of, of between Icon and Anova People, and designed a. I don't think I created something new per se, but I, d- I decided how I wanted to build Anova People, and that was I wanted delivery, uh, the delivery model, and the delivery team to be in full collaboration with business development. So basically, side by side, and then create a bucket below them that was the support group, whether it was technology or you know, outsourced recruiting or um, you know sourcing and you know tools that could support everyone's individual, what, what their responsibilities were between the two buckets. So, so Luke was quite a bit different um, than Icon, because I wanted the business development people not to become account managers. I wanted delivery. Mm-hmm to actually manage the account, as well as um, manage the, the flow of candidates up into the, the positions. So I created what I call Talent Acquisition Leader, which is the top of the delivery pool, You know, and, and sales development reps uh, on the business development side. And what they do, what it's what's done differently is that you have a BD person who connects with an account uh, and ends up, you know, signing, you know, contract and getting a job order uh, or multiple job orders. Once that's done, they actually set a meet. We once the job has been identified and it's done, that goes to delivery. Delivery builds a list of potential candidates, and then business development brings delivery into a meeting with. Manager, and goes through the candidates and says, you know, who do you who would you like us to recruit? Like, what what fits, and and kind of build a profile of the person that they're looking for, um, and and then they go out and delivery goes sends that down to recruitment, and recruitment starts to recruit those people to to deliver to the hiring manager using the tools in the sourcing bucket and the other tools that are available, you know, to help. Continue to to drive the candidate flow because I wanted I wanted to be able to build a a uh, model that was constantly recruiting it never stopped recruiting that was always recruiting um, so I brought in a lot of automation into Anova to um, do email sequencing and consistent um, outreach to the candidate uh, because I thought that. There was a couple of things, too, that I felt like needed to happen. Number one, we needed to be able to go to market and perform faster than the competition, but, st- but not lose the accuracy. Um, I think there's a lot of agencies out there that throw a lot of resumes at the wall. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to be able to tell a client, you'll see no more than three candidates from us, uh, and you'll hire one. Which I think has been going on for decades, right? But I wanted to truly deliver on that. But in order to be able to do that, you really do have to constantly be recruiting. And so I wanted, you know, eight to ten hours a day of recruitment happening. And that's impossible in the 360 model. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. they just can't do yeah. it. And and so that's the big difference between Icon and ANOVA. ANOVA is a little bit more of a machine, um, and uh there's a lot of automation in Anova, whether it's in the BD side and in providing leads uh, to the BD people or, um, you know, sequencing and, and outreach in and recruitment for the uh, sourcing team and the recruiters on BD. So it's very different.
1: This is fascinating, Joel. And I'd love to dig a little more into that. But can I just clarify first this, the model to make sure I understand it correctly? Um, because the it sounds a little bit like almost how software companies are structured, like you have your s d r sales development rep, and then you know they're the ones who are you know bringing in the new clients and then there's a sort of tr- handover transition to the you know customer success team who then you know helps the client to um I mean, I know it's different with software because yes. they're helping people to be able to implement and and get results with that software. but um there are where the similarity is, I guess, is you described it as being a machine. It's a bit like an assembly line. You have mm-hmm. people specializing in a specific part of the process, and they work in um, uh, as a team so that each person is dedicated one hundred percent to that aspect of you know, what they do. And they, as you said, like they can do it full time. They're doing, yeah, the person who's doing business development is doing that eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. The person who's doing, you know, the delivery is doing that eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. So they can really, A, they can get really, really good at it. Mm -hmm. And B, they're not um, switch tasking. So they're not flipping back and forth between, oh, I need to do some business development now. Oh, uh, okay. Now I need to go and I need to deliver because I'm we're behind with those that short list and switching back and forth is what, and and the the sort of, um, some people are super, like they're excellent at planning mm-hmm. and they're very disciplined and they can juggle all that stuff, but most people lose a lot of efficiency by switching back and forth. Is that fair? It
0: is, it's totally fair. And, and I think that that, you know, one of the things that um, I always struggled with at Icon was truly, truly, being able to find the talent at the level that was required to to be successful in that single point of contact model, there was a lot of support, and we scaled that, you know, quite aggressively. And a, a lot of that the, the scalability had to do with the support team behind uh, that that model, um, and it, it really wasn't the the front end people. They weren't brilliant salespeople or anything. I mean, they were good, but they weren't. They weren't so good that they were they were the reason that we were scaling they, what i realized is that we were scaling icon because the operations team was so good and mm. they were so efficient and and mm-hmm. they created they they created due to their efficiencies their speed their accuracy the 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 time and the ability for my frontline people to do more uh, because they had less and less responsibility, and so I've sort of taken that idea and tried to capitalize on it um, and 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 you know in a completely different market space um, uh, and it has it has so far gone really really well
1: amazing so what's the sort of um size of the business now? how many people have you got and and like where have you found the most success
0: yeah so you know, it's a, again, it's a, we, I've done this differently and I have invested in offshore um, support and, and teams mm-hmm. and people that work for us full-time that are in other countries. Uh, and so the offshore team is quite large. It's, it's, it's over 12 people currently and they're dedicated to our organization. Um, the in, the, on, on this side in the US, there's only five of us right now.
1: Oh, Wow, interesting. Yeah, and interesting.
0: we're we're you know going to you know within I guess well, what we started we really got started just about three years ago and you know we'll be well you know pushing um, close to two million in revenue in this third year. And amazing. So that's pretty you know it's pretty good. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm hoping it goes a little better, but <laughs> <it> stays the <this> same. <laughs> Are way. you?
1: Uh, are you doing contract or is it all yeah. permanent direct hire or yeah. what's we're the split
0: next? we're split 50 50 mm-hmm. right now okay yeah 50 right. 50 which is actually really kind of fun for me too because i have primarily myself mm-hmm. personally have always been a permanent placement recruiter but uh icon was 80 percent contract 20 percent perm and i've really enjoyed being back in the perm placement business um mm-hmm. i think that it's it's a wonderful business. Um, I, love, I like the contract staffing business too, especially in the tech sector, which we're in. Um, uh, but it is nice to have a balance between the two um, because it, has, it hasn't forced me to hire specialists. You know, I've been able to get away with people who are good perm placement recruiters, but who've also been able to manage accounts with contract staffing opportunities as well.
1: It's really interesting because what I see, especially in the U.S., is that it's much more segregated between contract and permanent in a lot of companies. And yet, to me, you have to, like, okay, if you're a one-man one band, then 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 fine. You're probably going to be doing permanent placement. <clears throat> but if you have aspirations to grow, then, you know, it just makes total sense to do both to offer yeah. some kind of temporary, you know, contract um service as well as permanent placements. And I don't know why. And so if someone's only doing contract, why, why wouldn't they do permanent? Mm-hmm. And vice versa, if someone's only doing permanent, why wouldn't they offer contract? And in Europe here, we see a lot more blended businesses where they do both. So for example, in accounting mm-hmm. or in IT especially, you see they'll have the, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll provide, or even in in marketing, like they'll provide freelance marketers as well as permanent marketers. Why do you think that doesn't seem to be the case in a lot of businesses? I think that for me, if
0: I was to look at this and look at the, you know, I've been at this almost 24 years now, um, I think the availability of funding of payroll, uh, is only come about in the last twenty years, where it's really truly been affordable to as a, as a individual contributor or as a small business to be able to fund payroll on contract. And so, I think that you know organizations like you know, that really kind of boomed the perm placement business, like the MRI Network, um, that they just didn't have that concept of that until very late in the mm. in the in the game. And it wasn't really an offering that, that people thought about. It was certainly available, um, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't well known. And I, and I think that, that, that because of that, um, over the years, it has created sort of these, like you're saying, like two buckets, right? There's just, well, we just do contract staffing or we just do perm placement. I think that financially it was hard to combine the two. And mm-hmm. I think the market for, for a long time was sort of set up that way. It's just my, yeah. my two cents on that. No, that makes sense. Yeah,
1: I wonder if also it, so, I mean, that I'm sure is the, probably the, the biggest reason. I wonder if there's almost a, I don't want to say um, snob, snobbery, but like if someone's an, a retained executive recruiter, mm-hmm. do they sort of regard the temporary staffing side of the business as like not as prestigious or yeah. something i don't know yeah maybe uh,
0: because but the funny thing about that is that you find if you put two interim you put an interim rec- leadership recruiter up against a perm placement you know executive search rec- you every time the revenue and margins are so much better on the interim side than they are in the perm right. placement world like it's not even yes. it's 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 it can't even compare the two uh, the and the the typically also what I find in especially in interim leadership, that the interim recruiter knows far more people uh, and has access and can, can can move so much faster than the permanent placement recruiter. So it is kind of funny, you know, it's it's sort of it's it's a little bit of an unknown and, and you might be you might be right. There might be this little bit of, well I'm a an executive search, for, but what you don't realize is that there's an entire world out there that is that is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, and, and, you know, having, making up her placement is great, you know, but having to start over and make another and then make another and then make another, you know, it's not easy. And so if you place five interim[s] that work for three years for an organization and you get to build that out, you know, it's probably doing more revenue and, and potentially more gross profit than you've done in a long time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. People just, it's awareness, I think more than anything, people need to be aware Because um, I have, there's more separation, there's like the search business and the search guys, and then there's the staffing and they're seen as like these totally different things when really there's a huge overlap or potentially there could be um, complementary. So, and people should be aware that if you do want to sell your business, having some kind of recurring revenue component of that business is going to significantly increase the multiple that you can get um, when you want to exit, because it's it's much it's a much better investment, isn't it? If someone's going to acquire your business and they can see revenue out into the future, that's already on the books versus permanent, which, you know, there's no visibility of permanent revenue after like two months, three months out you know, that's obviously more attractive to them, right?
0: Oh, intensely. Yeah, you you know, it's amazing, actually.
1: Video interviewing has been part of mainstream recruitment for over a decade now, but have you figured it out yet? Video interviewing certainly looks good as part of your recruitment service. It gives you the appearance of being a cutting edge recruitment business owner on the front line of technology. But is it paying its way Are you getting more new business, more repeat business because you're using video interviewing? Or is it starting to look more like a financial drain on your recruitment business? Our sponsor and trusted partner iintro has a solution for this. Their video interviewing is just one part of a complete suite of recruitment tools. So you don't need to spend a fortune on yet another tech platform. Everything you need is included in one package. Additionally, they provide training for your recruitment firm to make sure you're using the technology to the best possible effect for your existing clients, as well as how to use it to attract new clients. If you're thinking of investing in video interviewing, don't take another step until you've requested your free demonstration from iIntro. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retain to book your free consultation. See for yourself how to use video interviewing to get a true return on your investment. That's recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. You mentioned you're you're leveraging offshore Mm -hmm. um, uh, resources and you're leveraging automation, and that allows your small team in the U.S., of five of you, Mm -hmm. to really um, perform, you know, at a a level of a bigger company, but without the same overheads. Mm -hmm. Um, Could you just elaborate a little bit on how that actually works? Sure
0: so there's two there's two groups of people um in, in offshore areas um and you know, it takes a little bit of time to set this up but uh you we do the sourcing piece so when you say like you know sourcing candidates building lists of sources as well as having someone who is on the on the BD side constantly looking for for job postings or openings within our, our area of expertise that that are more than 30 days old. Um, and so every day they are bringing lists of those types of jobs to the SDR side of the business, the, the BD side of it. And then the sourcing team is uh, building lists of, of people um, utilizing different types of, of sources and Boolean searches to help the recruiters build lists of people and um so we have uh the the sourcing piece of it and then there's there's recruiters but they're really they are more they're almost like an like an automation tool but they're they're people who are building email campaigns and doing the initial outreach to those lists and they they that's happening constantly, so it's kind of a two-step outsourced process where sourcing is being done by one team based on every job that comes in through the door at Anova, and then it gets sent 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 over to another team that's actually, you know, that that English is a little stronger, more familiar with, and 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 they build sequences, email campaigns, and email sequences that are constantly going out, also to to make a. Oh, uh to for candidate lists sorry and so then as those candidates respond that actually goes to the u.s team the recruiters in the u.s so the 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 american team is the one who picks up the phone and calls those who are showing any sort of interest at all you're in fact even opening emails um they they're calling those those people and then that uh so that's happening on a regular basis and that team is pretty good size um uh and it cuz it does take you know an 8 hour a day uh, for there are two sourcers um and one I, I, technically there's three because there's one that's working full time on the job order leads uh mm-hmm. and then there are about right now 15 i guess that are um doing the sequences and building those uh, because we probably produce candidate lists of several hundred a day uh, that wow. that need okay. that need those um, email campaigns to go out um, so yeah it's it's a pretty big job
1: <laughs> so the the you 've got two or three people who are really just when you say sourcer they 're like data that's data driven so they 're doing searches they're putting lists together they're finding contact information then they're feeding that to the either the business development team or the recruiting team who will then be leveraging automation tools to initiate the outreach. Um, and then once you get any kind of sign of interest, then that's being followed up by the American recruiters. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, got it. Yep. All right. That's awesome. Yep. Love it. And I can see how that's so, so scalable.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the, yeah. the thing is, is, is on the, on the, kind of sourcing on the sourcing side that's that's mm-hmm. you know we're basically recruited those people through upwork you know freelancers upwork and um uh we've we have found a lot of talent in pakistan and it's been wonderful relationships and they're we're, we pull them into the to the ecosystem they're on teams mm-hmm. with us they're they're engaged with us you know we don't we, we don't just you know oh, okay here you know just do this um they're they're a part of the organization. Like we we really bring these people in and the same thing with the other side. Um and we're in constant communication with them. And we chose to work with an agency on the email side of it and the camp the campaigning and the organization. And they do a lot of CRELATE. Our CRELATE is our ATS. They do a lot of manipulation and management in there also. Um and uh so as we need, as things start to become more become busier or we get um you know recently we had like twenty positions up for one organization that needed to be taken care of. we scaled up that side of it, and we were able to do that because we're not working with just individuals we're working with an entire agency that has that's doing this you know full time so that's worked out really well for us
1: uh interesting uh, I'm just curious like w- why you went with Pakistan in particular was there any reason we um because we, our team members are. By the way, we don't. We used to call them VAs, but now we just call them colleagues. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, they are really members of our team, as you say. We've brought them into our, um, you know, into our business as as fully fledged team members. But our uh, coworkers tend to be from the Philippines, mm-hmm. and um, I think the reason being just um there's no language barrier mm-hmm. they they're completely fluent in english which makes it very much easier from an internal communication point of view but also it means like my uh executive assistant Rachel who also manages this podcast mm-hmm. i'm very happy for her to w- go directly to podcast guests like really senior people and coordinate and you know send emails back and forth and um you know and i i'm confident for her to do that cuz i know her english is excellent mm-hmm. yeah i think
0: you know it's it's there is no real particular reason um we i interviewed many people from the philippines um, uh, our team that does the 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 sequencing is all in india um but what we when i chose the first person to do the sourcing side of it they just happen to be in pakistan and he is he's just he's he's absolutely wonderful and his his english is is good enough for what he's doing for us and we just feel and it's just been nice because he um has a little bit of leadership qualities to him and he's brought some other people to the table who have very strong Ah, skills as well and so they're all working for us um now with him and it's, you know, the, one of the things that that I have always tried to do is, you know, with because I've outsourced um, a lot over the years, uh, not just with Icon, even way before that, and I've just tried to find the best people, and I've I've yeah. tried not limited my scope to any one particular um, area you know english is is spoken in a lot of countries um true but then i it, it just is a, just it's just by happens just this is where we landed and it's been worked, at, worked yeah. out great yeah
1: yeah that's awesome if you can find someone who is a technically very you know good at their job but also has the leadership qualities that they can then manage other people mm-hmm. that just makes it so much easier for you oh because gosh, you've got yeah. like him being the main, the point guy, and then you know managing the other resources for you, then that just uh, saves so much time. And he can train them, mm-hmm. and you know you're not having to do everything yourself from scratch. Yeah, so,
0: yeah, no, it's been really, it. it's been really, you know, kind of a blessing and, and 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 lucky that 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 has happened. But I think too, you know, just I've I I do have like literally probably tw- 20 years of. Of experience and doing, in managing, you know, outsourced, uh, um, you know, job duties. So it's it it's been it's been a really beneficial piece of of you know sort of my success, I guess, in the in the industry.
1: Yeah, it's interest. That's it. That's huge. Like we're we're big believers in it. So it sounds like you're using a combination of you do you have an agency. Mm like an RPO firm offshore, Mm -hmm. and you also have individuals? Mm -hmm. That's right. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay, that makes sense, cool. Um, So the last time we got together, Joel, we, um, at the very end of our conversation, you alluded to the fact that at Icon, the majority of your leads and your candidates, both the client and candidate leads, were generated using inbound marketing. And then but we ran out of time to really get <laughs> yeah, into that right. and we got so many people contacting us saying, we want to know more about Joel's marketing, like because they, they just heard that and it was like a light bulb going off, but then we we didn't have time to get into it. So um, what I should tell people is that, um, by the way, Joel and I recorded a webinar together um, I mean, it, it was a year ago now, but um, it's, it's still absolutely relevant. So the webinar was called the eight, um, no, it was, let me get this um, right so I give people the right information. Uh, yeah, it was called How to Build an Eight-Figure Recruitment Business That Runs Without You. So if you want to watch the recording and download the slides, you can go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash scale. So recruitmentcoach.com forward slash scale. In that webinar, we share the nine pillars of a scalable business. And there's a diagram of a flywheel, which shows the nine pillars. And I know our listeners are probably asking, okay, well, what are the nine pillars? And so again, go and watch the webinar for a full explanation. But in brief, they are strategy. Number one, number two is internal recruitment. So that's recruiting for your own business. Number three is talent development. In other words, onboarding, and being able to train and develop your recruiters. Four is sales management. So how do we get people billing and optimize their performance? Five is client acquisition. So building systems like the ones Joel's describing on both client acquisition and number six is candidate acquisition. So not left to any one individual's, you know, efforts but that you have built a machine and you've got systems and processes and automation in place so that the client acquisition machine is just constantly running. It never stops. And same on the candidate acquisition side. Then you've got number seven is marketing management. Number eight is, uh, op- I think I counted too many, but yo, no, that's right. Operations management is number eight and business management is number nine. So today I wanted people just to get get a little taster session on the marketing piece of the puzzle so joel I, I know we don't have time to get into a full masterclass here but could you describe a little bit how you manage marketing in your recruiting businesses in order to generate leads that you know amplify everybody's uh, performance yeah
0: i think that um you know the use of social media to market and email campaign marketing um, is essential to scalability. And in order to be able to do these things and do them well, they have to be run by someone else in, in inside your organization. You can outsource this in the early stages, um, but it's it it. My experience has always been that you know it's always best done by an employee um, that has the uh, The wherewithal and the the skills the the truly has the skills to um put together a marketing plan for the organization so it's a little less traditional you know i started doing this um a long time ago (laughs) uh email marketing was you know kind of the biggest way to attract clients for me even back in the early 2000s um but i with the addition of um, social media uh linkedin uh, and these other platforms that allow you to reach a much larger um you know group of people what what i began to do and what i set out to do and what i'm doing with anova is the same thing i did with icon which is set a uh, basically a marketing calendar in place and you build out a outreach program utilizing five days of the week and you you cut up you know the difference between production time meaning you're building media to go out um you're 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 developing email email campaigns you're you're you know developing um postings um or social media posts there's production time and then there is there is delivery time and you set a five week uh a five day i'm sorry um calendar for an individual to basically run you know, Monday through Friday, they are constantly producing content. And it, it sounds something like, you know, the first thing we would do, um, like on a Monday would be what to, to make is to build all of the um, new um, job order campaigns. So as new job orders came in the prior week, that Monday, the first morning was all done was was taking all the new things and getting them out on the internet and you know we we could spend hours on how that all, all works but um you know and then and then the so there's two hours there and then and then the next thing is okay you're going to you know, building email campaigns for the um every single you know for the recruiters that are that are uh have the jobs that were presented last week. And so they build email campaigns to try to retract um, new candidates. And, and these email campaigns, they're just temp, like it's a template, but they add a little bit of flair to it, something a little different, or a, a new little picture that then, then is sent over to the recruiter who, who puts it into the system, who sends it out. And you know whatever email automation tool they're using, it just, boom, it goes out there. Um, you know, and then after that, it's, it's there's, you know, we're doing a, a video, uh, we're building or, or designing a video about, you know, a win that we had as an organization or, or an event that we are sponsoring or, or whatever it is, there was always a, a chunk of time each day to sort of what I would say self-promote. And, and you know, we we're constantly building media around self-promotion of our organization. And that was really geared for like LinkedIn um the platform linkedin and and it went to the other social media um areas but you know we self-promoted a lot and we self-promoted everything like we you know it was silly like really literally like we bought new chairs once for the organization and we self-promoted <laughs> you know new chairs <laughs> yeah it was just stuff like that you know and anova's and you know not quite doing the new chair thing just yet, but you know we're we'll, we're we're getting to to the point to where we'll you're you'll start to see, you know, just consistently pushing out uh, outreach um, of the organization. I just felt like it was not only with Icon but with Anova as well. Is that we, you know, you have this goal in mind of, to to meet everyone in your marketplace, and you'll never meet that goal, but the only way that you can even come close to it is 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 put the effort in to try so you just have to just constantly be pushing things out creating new followers and doing that and again it takes an internal person in my in, in to to best effectively do this and this is not an inexpensive thing i got very lucky with icon and i hired a new grad out of the university of oregon who was absolutely brilliant and was able to build this out to what What people were responding to in the last podcast was, you know, over 60% of all new revenue came from our internal marketing team.
1: Did you know that fewer than 1% of recruitment business owners ever achieve an exit? The good news is that it's absolutely achievable if you know how. That know how and proven track record is exactly what recruitment entrepreneur provides. They're the number one investor in recruitment startups and scale-ups globally. James Kahn and his team have done this many times before. In fact, they've backed 45 businesses already and they're only just getting started. Based in London, they've now launched in the USA and many other countries around the world. They're looking to partner with ambitious recruiters who want to start, scale and sell their recruitment business. They provide the funding, mentoring, advice and support you need to become one of the top 1% who successfully exit their recruitment business. To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. That's VC is in venture capital. Book a call with one of their investment directors and be sure to tell them you were referred by Mark Whitby and the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. So, Joel, I, I get what you're saying. Like, so it's, um, it's mo- omni-channel. So you're using, leveraging LinkedIn, email, and probably every other social platform. But those are the two most important ones mm-hmm. are LinkedIn and email. Mm-hmm. Um, it's multimedia. So you're sending like text-based emails, but you're using imagery. You're creating posts that may be images, but you're also producing videos. And I've seen some of the videos that your team produced and they look, Amazing! Like they—they don't look homemade. Put it that way. You've done like really uh, professional job with that. So it's omni-channel, is multimedia, and you're sharing content. Some of it is about specific jobs. So you're promoting, you know, the new um, roles that you're. Uh, you're recruiting for, but you're also promoting the business in the sense of you know new team members starting or a new milestone in the business or uh a new accomplishment of someone in the team or you know you're celebrating um those things and sharing that with your uh with your community of clients and candidates mm-hmm. um and it's in a very um well planned um uh it's it, it's in a format that's very well organized you've got a marketing calendar and you also and this is important because i think listening to this people may feel overwhelmed and like whoa how, how could i possibly do all that but you have a dedicated person and this is what they're doing full time right yes, so, absolutely yeah um and i guess the question is um number one how big do you need to be before it makes sense to high, have that dedicated internal marketing person.
0: Well, it just really depends, doesn't it? Because I can say at Icon, the first hire was the marketing person. The first official hire. You were
1: the first. Of, so there was you, you were billing yourself, mm-hmm. like to be get the king's things the, the, uh, rolling, but the first full time employee you had was a marketing person. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I mean,
0: I I was a producer and the, the, my, yeah. my team, my partners were producers. So we didn't need producers. We, we didn't need mm. revenue execution at the time. We needed, the, you know, my idea was I was going to bring someone into the organization that was going to expand our capabilities. You know, they were going to, they were going to grow our business without us doing it. And it, and, mm. uh, it was going to be a stepping stone to, to um, starting to hire, producers, but mm-hmm. we wanted to to get as as much exposure of, of about what we were doing as we possibly could. And the only way I saw doing that was hiring somebody full time. And 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 a, and a little secret sauce for marketing was we would celebrate our wins through marketing. So if we landed five job or new job orders or 10 new job orders, or so we made this placement over there, we would we weren't giving away the farm right on the in the marketing but we were constantly celebrating it constantly telling people that we had just done this that we had just finished this or we just done, we just landed this organi- we just landed this you know size of health system or whatever it might be constantly little tidbits of our successes also and that
1: absolutely and that
0: came in again it was one person at to start and you know right now innova has this outsourced to to an agency but not for long you know, very soon we will bring this person in. And so to best answer that question, it really just depends on, you know, the, the, the revenue that you have available to you. You know, can you afford this person? This person is going to be either $45,000 a year or $125,000 a year. It just depends on what's available in your area. And if you can afford it, the, the return is ridiculous if this is done well. I mean, it's just they basically don't cost anything uh, if this is done
1: well amazing yes absolutely so i guess the decision as to when to bring that person on depends on as you say revenue you have available so you reckon it's going to cost between 45 and one hundred twenty-five thousand, depending on the level of person mm-hmm. are they a grad or are they you know experienced or or what have you or yeah and they have to be and also where you live i guess
0: right they have to be an individual contributor they have to be a media producer they have to produce the stuff themselves they can't There is no just managing this, or 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 you know, right,
1: right. That's important. There's
0: a lot of marketing people that are so-called marketing people that can't rub two sticks together when it comes to this stuff. But you really have to find someone who is going to produce for you constantly, and then you build that team out over over time. Uh, And that's what we did, you know, at at Icon, and we will we will absolutely do that at Nova as we will build out a small marketing team that's really you know when you think about it they're just in addition to the 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 delivery bucket and the BD bucket they're just doing things that that um are more personal they're 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 more sort of in tune with what's happening within the, within your your company and they're celebrating and showing off sort of what you're capable of and how you're doing it and how much fun you are and how wonderful you know the team is and all that stuff
1: absolutely in fact um I think sometimes owners forget that they actually have three audiences that they need to market to they've got their clients they've got the candidates but they also have their current and future employees as well and if you want to grow then you need to make sure that um, everyone in your ecosystem including your competitors are aware of you know who you are what you do and and the fact that you're really successful at what you do (laughs) And it's also a, it's a talent uh, attraction tool because if you're interviewing someone, they could be a grad, they could be experienced, and they're interviewing with you know five recruit, recruitment agencies, but you have this marketing machine set up that is going to you know enable them to perform better. Then that's and because most recruiting firms do not have that yeah. what you're describing. Mm-hmm is quite unusual and unless you're a massive company like you know a deco robert half or whatever i'm sure they have big marketing departments but for small firms most of them don't have that and so that's a i think that's a a huge draw to make people want to choose Innova instead of another recruiter. Yeah, I think
0: that brand awareness. You know, I I I attribute it to this this model I learned in university called Toma. You know, top of mind awareness, and 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 how do you create top of mind awareness in today's environment? I mean, it is it is so tough to be be have brand recognition, right? And because we are the attention spans, especially in the in, in the in Western culture, is just zero. So. You, you have to just constantly be promoting uh, yourself because nobody else is going to do it. And, and if you do it well, I mean, you think about this for a second. If you're a job seeker and you're looking at companies and you, you, you click on an about us on a, on a website and you see a group of people having fun versus an organization where you click about us and it's just an explanation of who they are, mentally you're like, well, I want to go work with these people. Absolutely. Yeah. and yeah. and people just don't seem to get that, you know, that that you're attracting a person, you know, not a robot. And so, right. And it's and it in all three of those buckets, like you mentioned before, they all need to see that, and it's really important. Um, and and it may be painful initially to get this started. It may it may be difficult, but
1: it's 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 a difference maker. A hundred percent. And, uh, obviously, you know, we can help people to, um, launch that journey a lot faster and easier than trying to figure it out from scratch because you've done it multiple times. I've been a student of marketing for, uh, my, almost my whole, whole life. It's a kind of topic I'm really passionate about. Um, Joel, I want to briefly touch on the economy, um, because I'm seeing, well, before I do that, because I know you have strong views on this and and so do I, and wanna talk about people's mindset around this, but also some practical um, aspects to being resilient, having a sustainable business that can weather storms that may be ahead. Um, Before we do that, just um, if you're interested in joining me and Joel and this mastermind group of like-minded, uh, hugely ambitious and smart uh, recruiting firm owners who are scaling, then um, book a strategy call with me. The link to do that is recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. And that so I'm going to help you to achieve a breakthrough in your business. So it's recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. And we can just explore. It's not, I do not try and close you. I'm not going to, um, apply any sales tactics. Uh, I'm going to find out about your business and what your goals are, what your challenges are. And if I believe that you are fit for us and that we can help you. And if you are also interested in learning more then I can tell you about our coaching program. Uh, but either way, you're going to leave that call feeling energized and with uh, a clear plan for taking your business forward. Um, so Joel, this, uh I, I'm seeing some of my competitors like really go hard on this, you know, recession uh piece and they're really playing on that. And, and I don't, I really don't like it. It's like sort of fear mongering. And the, the, the messaging seems to be like, Hey, like, you know, the economy is going to tank. And unless you join our coaching program, like we know what's going on and we know how to, you know, if you don't join us, then you're going to be screwed. That's kind of <laughs> uh, kind of message. I just hate that, mm-hmm. and uh, it's also sort of condescending. Like, like you don't know what you're doing, but we know what we know. Like, we've got this, and if you join us, then you'll be safe. But if you're on your own, then good mm-hmm. luck. That's mm-hmm. kind of the. I I just really dislike this, but um, nevertheless, people. I don't. I equally, I don't think people should bury their head in the sand. Mm-hmm. And just pretend everything is going to be fine, because the economy is cyclical and it does have ups and downs. What is your mindset around this topic? Um, I
0: think that the the you know we are going to see and are seeing a slowdown globally um, and and you know the the all these economies are are different but but they're all affected by kind of the same things, you know, so without going into specifics about who what where trouble areas are and all this stuff my my mindset is is that I will outwork it um, and I don't really have to outsmart it so much, but if I try to do that too, but I'll outwork it and what that means to me and my team is is that we will diversify our portfolio, we will go uh, you know, our recruiting skill is our recruiting skill. We're very, very good at this. We have a machine basically built and it doesn't really matter that much what you give us, we can probably fill it. But we're not gonna get so far away from um, the way, what our, you know, core business is, but we will, we have, and we've already done this, we've already begun to start um, looking in other buckets within these organizations and, and, and areas in the economy that are doing better than others, and and just sort of hedge our bets a little by getting involved with organizations like that that are going to continue to hire people, um, and we can sort of learn um, the types of people that they need, um, and not not go so crazy out. You know, we we we're, we're we're in the tech sector, but we do work with a lot of uh, accounting and finance uh, people within the. Uh, Tech sector and in the healthcare industry, um, our our healthcare information management thing kind of spills over into revenue cycle, and so we'll keep a really close eye on that, and we'll 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 focus a little bit more on those areas as things start to shift. Um, you know, we all have tried to forget about two thousand and eight which was a dramatic ax to the economy, right? It, it was, it was just, it just came in one night and boom, the stock market crashed and, you know, a global recession was set into, was set into motion uh, in a matter of days. i we're not going to see that. It, some, some of us in this industry won't feel this at all. I think it just depends on you yeah. know where you're at, but um you just have to you have to outwork it the people w- what won 't change is the number of jobs that are needed. Um, it might not be so outrageous like it was in two thousand and nineteen that there just really isn't enough people on earth to fill the jobs in the in, <laughs> you know that, that that was that was wild, but we'll sh- see a uh, a shrinking into a little bit more of a realistic world of because, I do think that that the these some of these continued moves, especially by the American government, will continue to to keep inflation around longer than it, it it necessarily should should be. But the 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 reality is is that you can either adopt this mindset of oh my gosh, you know, the sky is falling, we're going to go into a recession, you know, I'm going to let all my people go, and I'm just going to make a placement a month to stay alive, you know, and or you can get out there even more, put more time into this, and get, discover the places that, and the organizations that do need you. And maybe for a short period of time, you have to reduce prices a little bit. You know, so what? There's good, there's good years and bad years. You know, there's good times and bad times. It all depends on what you're going to do with it and how you're going to manage it. And you don't have to be like, so, you know, like well, nothing's happening, because that's also just, that's just dumb but at the same time you know stay in tune with what the market's doing and try to outwork it because you can you know in 2008 i shrunk the company i was working at by 45% because it just crashed but then subsequently grew the organization's revenue so and, and it was because we we started you know, we had a group of people who are really, really good producers, and we said, well, you're going to have to get out of your niche a little bit, and you're going to have to go into these areas, and you're going to have to do some $15,000 fees, and, and you're going to have to do this stuff to what your companies need. Partner with them. Talk to them. You know, how, how can you be of service to them? Okay, if, they are, if their revenue is reduced by 25% due to a recession, then you'd be willing to reduce your fees by the same percentage for, for a time being. Right and write it up, and still, and if they're, st- they'll still use you, because they still need they, they still need the people in order to be able to produce. So it, it's it it it's it's just you know, I haven't, in my lifetime, haven't seen something so catastrophic happen to the economy, that we went out of business.
1: Exactly, I think, Joel, so many good insights there. um The point being like how you can't control the economy. All you can control is your own mindset, strategy, decisions, and actions, right? Is your own behaviors and how you respond to the situation. So like, are you gonna withdraw into yourself and think, woe is me? Or are you going to go on the attack, on the offensive, and take more action, outwork it, as you say. Like, you know, if you have too few clients, it's a bit like having a stool, you know, with three legs. If You knock one, you know, one of those legs off, it's gonna probably collapse. If you have more legs into your stool, your table, whatever your analogy, then you've got a much stronger platform to, uh, to build on. So that applies to your candidate generation. If you're only using like LinkedIn and only sending in mails, you know, well, guess what? That's not robust enough. You need to deploy more strategies to generate candidates. If you only have, you know, uh, one source of clients or too few clients or too few, too much of your revenue is being generated by, you know, a handful of producers, you know, then these are all vulnerabilities, right? So so how can you make your business more Mm -hmm more robust, right. more resilient.
0: It's just like not having contract staffing capabilities in your organization. And maybe you hate contract staffing, but what it's used more during a recession than ever. Um, and-
1: Right, it's, exactly. So
0: you just, it just depends, you know? And, and I, again, it's, it's that mindset of, you know, fight or flight, right? <laughs> you know, I always choose yeah. to fight. So,
1: <laughs> Absolutely. That makes two of us. Yeah. Joel, I know you need to jump onto a client call, yeah. so I'll let you go. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for yeah. coming back on the show. Absolutely. And uh, I'll see you at the next Apex meeting. Right. So take thanks. care. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.